You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. We are still talking about The Mandalorian Season 2 on Disney+. Plus. We have episode... Well, it's episode 2 of the season, but chapter 10 called the passenger so uh i'm sure everybody has thoughts and things to talk about with this episode so we'll get to it as soon as we get done with our week's watch elizabeth what did you watch this week i'm gonna make this really short the only thing i've had time to watch this week is the news (laughs) and the election results coverage questions recounts those sorts of things uh so Mostly it's been a train wreck. Mostly it's been attempts to make train wrecks not look like train wrecks, which should not be a surprise for 2020. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much dominating the, the news feeds right now. It is. Election and what happens at this point. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. Now, so, POTUS yeah. has stated that he is going to accept the results and uh, leave graciously, right? Oh, yeah. No, that was the first thing that came out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I want to live in your alternate reality. That would be great. <laughs> I, I would love that. No, um, Georgia is redoing uh, doing a recount by hand. By hand. Hand recount. Which um, doesn't make already- sense. Not the hand part. Doing a recount at all. <laughs> These are not the kind of numbers that get overturned in a recount, guys. <laughs> no. But the actual question in Georgia, the one that's really at issue, is whether or not there's enough of a shift to knock either of the Senate seats out of a runoff race in January. That's really what they're they're discussing this as a recount for the presidential votes. But that's that's really what their question is, concern is, and focus is. This is true. It's been an interesting one to see. Like they're mobilizing for that the runoff. This is starting to sound like uh, Gore versus Bush again. This is an an entirely different question Um, because in Bush v. Gore, what you were dealing with at that point was whether or not states could change the rules regarding recounts and when votes had to be certified by based Mm -hmm. on state election results. That was the ultimate question in Florida. It was not the recount itself that was the question or issue, but whether or not those rules could be shifted post-election to allow for longer time in the recounts. 
there was a nice video today from Philip DeFranco that was going over this. And I, I think a good, like a nice and concise way for a person who might not be watching any kind of political things most of the time. He did yeah. a pretty good job on it. Good. But yeah, no, so it will be, it will be interesting. I don't foresee any of the states attempting to drag out the recounts past the recertification, past the certification deadlines. So we will have results shortly. But you know that in Philadelphia, you can always book out Four Seasons Lawn, total lawnscaping, <laughs> if you uh, need a place to hold a press conference. Next to an adult <clears throat> bookstore and a crematorium. That's right. The, the one thing that's been nice this entire year with everything has been that I discovered um, because of everyone having to do interviews from home and whatnot, that I have consistently had better sound equipment than pretty much all celebrities <laughs> ever in their houses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now I have seen that a press conference from the president's legal team also has a worse PA than I had at 16 for terrible hardcore shows in a public park in Yuma. <laughs> so this this has been a little bit of an ego boost for me you know <laughs> i'm glad for you steven i'm very glad for you. but yeah that was my week's watch i mean that might have been the pa system that the four seasons total landscaping had like his his or her kid you know it was, <laughs> was also in a band yeah it, it did look heavily reminiscent of like the the kind of speakers that people would buy use for a beach party and then try to return on yeah. Monday or Tuesday, the day like the day after the weekend had finished, my old job. All right, well that's the news. <laughs> Can be found most anywhere. That's right. I always, re- as per usual, recommend that you check your confirmation bias- biases and try to step outside your bubble when viewing the news. So keep that in mind to stay informed. <laughs> Steven, what did you watch this week? So this has been kind of an odd mishmash of watching things for me this week. I haven't had a lot of time to really watch anything that's substantial. Um, so it's been a lot of like one-off things. And I think the most, I don't know, I guess, concise block of things that I watched this week was watching a few episodes of the newest season of Rick and Morty, of all things. <laughs> okay. the newest one? Is it still season three or did season four come out already? Season four. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm behind. <clears throat> yeah. So for this one, um, <laughs> I'm by no shape, like it, by no metric, a big Rick and Morty fan. Um, I think most of the show uh, in the past has kind of been just like this, like dumpster fire of the worst parts of the internet and humanity on display in comedy. But there are these shining gems of things in the show that make it mm-hmm. really still worthwhile for some reason. Um, and I ended up watching a few of these episodes like late at night before going to bed or something like that, where I just wanted to watch something new. And there are some weird episodes for this season. Mm-hmm. Some of the things where it's like, oh, no, no, like they really distilled the things that make it better for this one episode. And they're really like choosing to talk about something in an interesting way and kind of deconstruct something. But at the same time, there's also a whole episode with dragons where they just all the dragons are quote unquote slut dragons. <laughs> and if, and if that's not, right. Yeah. If that's not the most Rick and Morty thing possible, I don't know what it is. Um, but then like, there's one episode where the entire episode is just 
like it's almost too much of a meta breakdown of breaking down story structure and what the show structure has been um, in a way that like I was here for and I still liked, but Oh boy, it, it was, it was a lot at the same time. Not, not even like a lot to follow or anything. It just felt like, um, like I, I appreciate this episode that's breaking down content um, within side of like uh, a Rick and Morty episode or any kind of story that's trying to, I guess be formulaic. Uh, but then I also feel like there's going to be a lot of like YouTube think pieces from a bunch of people that I would really dislike talking about this episode. Like it's like the best thing since quote unquote sliced bread. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know at the time of this recording, like YouTube is down. So you just avoid it. So don't, don't, don't go over there. YouTube is down right now. Yeah. Nice. That's that's an hour ago. It that's should why- be back now. I was just watching something. Okay, I was gonna say that. That's why I was asleep. My my power was weak. My power source. <laughs> well, you could still just avoid those think pieces. Just don't go looking for them. Yeah, uh-uh. I steer clear of pretty much everything that's Rick and Morty related. Good. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's what I watched. Um, but like, if you don't know whether you like Rick and Morty at this point, this season is no is going to change nothing for you. Uh, and it's going to be the most to keep up with. But if for some reason you think like, oh, maybe I want to go watch the new season of Rick and Morty. Um, it's on sale on DVD and Blu-ray and everything. And then can also be found on HBO Max right now. There you go. Anything else? Or is it just that was the one you wanted to speak about? That's pretty much it. I had a weird dream earlier, too. But you guys don't need to hear about that. <laughs> I want to hear about this. <laughs> If anybody doesn't want to hear about my dream, I did write down a very, like, a, a, exactly my feelings about it when I woke up. <laughs> if you want to hear about Steven's dream, please join us on our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and request that Steven inform you about his dreams. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll share. Well, there you go. There's the. I was just going to have it here, but now it's, it's a Patreon <laughs> exclusive. So. Uh, Subscribe to our Patreon to hear about Stephen's dreams. Mm-hmm. Jessica, what did you watch this week? Uh, finally, my mom and I got to a movie she recorded, I don't know, months ago probably, but it was a Helen Mirren movie called The Good Liar mm. uh, with Ian, oh, what's his name? Ian McKellen. McKellen. Yes, McKellen. Yeah. Um, and it was not what my mother expected. <laughs> I feel like that happens to your mom a lot <laughs> oh gosh it does and the sad thing is I could tell from the tone within the first 10 minutes I was like A this is going to be more graphic than she thinks it is I was like it's it's a solid tragedy and it's but it, it and it was very well acted of course but there was just something off about it like it just nothing was surprising about it. Like the whole thing is like Ian is this con man and he's trying to con Helen's character out of her money. And but you know, like Helen's conning him the entire time. Like you know she's got something on him because you know that that character, everything you know about it is not that dumb. You're like and you just, so it's nothing's a surprise. Maybe it's a little bit of surprise of the history behind why she wants revenge against him, but you're just kind of like <sighs> It's it's Ian McKellen like killing people and being an evil person, evil con man, basically. For, for the so story, being Ian McKellen. 
Yeah. So, um, uh, Naima, my girlfriend, she she had watched this in the past and had told me about it. Um, uh-huh. And she kind of came down in the same spot for this one. Yeah, I was like, that, that sure was a thing I watched. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I, I watched it. I didn't, like, hate it. I didn't, like, love it. And it was very well acted. It was just missing something. I don't Maybe it was surprise. Maybe I've watched too many of these thrillers. I don't even know. Yeah, when it first came out, a lot of the reviews were more on the bad side than mm-hmm. on the good side. So definitely up there with uh, with the majority. I hadn't seen it myself. Where did your mom record it off of? Just uh, like a premium channel? Yeah, like she recorded it like months ago off of HBO. I don't. I didn't check to see if it was available anywhere else now. So, but it's it's the good liar. It's if if you like thrillers, it's I. well there you go this is a good liar did you have uh, anything else or was that just the one you wanted to talk about as i mean since last week i have finished this only season of the owl house that i did not realize was only one season at this point uh and once again cried (laughs) the finale so yay I tell I'm you, so- like the amount of character development that happens in kid shows now, it's just kind of like adult shows need to step it the hell up. Like, and I get it, like they get the excuse that these are kids, so of course they're going to actually develop and grow. But at the same time, you're like, no, this is how you write a kid develop. Like, this is how you write a character changing their opinions about everything. Like, I recently I've been thinking a lot about Star versus the Forces of Evil, and I just realized that at the very beginning, her big problem was that she overused magic and in the very end spoiler alert for like i don't know 30 seconds but at the very end she's the one that realizes we need to get rid of magic where it was her clutch for so long like that i was like what a great (laughs) arc and like oh i would highly recommend star versus the force of evil for people that need to know how to develop characters because that within four seasons her whole arc was amazing and the yellow house is great too it's only one season but like there already was small bits of character development within the main character that I cannot remember her name because I binge watched it. So <laughs> there we go. Loose. <laughs> Honestly, even for um, the like the characters that are supposed to be older that aren't even younger kids or anything, even they still had great character development. Oh yeah. No, I, I don't understand what it is about kids show in general. Just every character actually gets developed through what you seem as quirky short episodes yet this, they managed to write such good development and these adult shows that are like an hour long do absolutely nothing in that hour with their characters. Like just, Hey, hey we're supposed to, we're supposed to talk about the Mandalorian later. Jess. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. But still, <laughs> I just like, uh, I'm just going to watch kids shows from now on. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the Owl House is still on Disney XD, I believe. So Disney Plus, but it, Disney yeah, but yeah, it's on the new season. It will be on Disney XD. I don't know when it's going to start. So also, if if you're a broke person, um, like before, people already did a great job of putting it on YouTube. If you're okay yeah. with watching a playlist of like two to three minute chunks to assemble a whole episode. Oh, <laughs> nah, I ain't, I ain't back in high school Dedication. trying to watch animes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> John, what did you watch this week? Well, so just a quick side note. I found a YouTube channel, as I do, that I really love. And you guys are aware of it now. Mm -hmm. But for everyone else listening to this, 
I highly recommend you take a gander over on YouTube and watch a channel called uh, Casually Explained. Uh, this artist, uh, creator, person, uh, he's been steadily po posting things for about four or five years now. Uh, doesn't post very often, maybe like three or four times a year from the looks of it on average. Uh, but everything I've seen of his so far is great. There are some really funny, really witty, little satirical pieces, which the first video I saw thought was serious. And I was like, this is really dark and giving me like the wrong kind of advice. Um, it was a video called How to Tell if She's Into You. Um, but the reason why I really vibed with this because he has a very awesome sense of humor that I feel is very similar to my own. It's very self-deprecating, um, but also very witty. And I was like, wow, I really uh, resonate with this material here that he's putting out. So that's all I'm going to say about that YouTube channel. You should really check it out. It's great, funny. Um, and the thing I actually spent all of this past weekend doing was I watched the original Utopia. Uh, so okay. I went through the whole first season. And I can tell you right away, guys, wow, we were robbed. Oh, this is, right. the, this is the one that we should have watched, not the American version. I fully understand now why all of the people on the Reddit uh, were basically complaining against the American version. We definitely got a dumbed down, uh, oddly changed. The general plot is the same. There's a comic book. It has hints about a greater conspiracy. And some people are brought together. Mm. But it's the differences that really make it kind of weird. Um, okay. And the portrayals are definitely different. So, for instance, and I'll try to be kind of spoiler-free, although we did kind of summarize the entire first season of the American version. Like I said, although they are very similar, there are some differences. <laughs> mm. um, for one, the Michael Stearns character, played by uh, Dwight Schrute, is I think an amalgamation, yes. I think he's two different people in the original that they kind of combine together. Interesting. And rather than him being like rather than his wife being a double agent or like a secret agent working for the, the harvest, mm -hmm. um his wife is actually a really good person that uh well, his arc is kind of convoluted, but basically that version of Stearns um, is having an affair with a prostitute. What? What? And he, and he got her pregnant, and what? him and his wife have been trying to conceive. Ooh. So the company or the Harvest, their version of the Harvest, is using that to blackmail him. And Ouch. that's happening since the beginning. But it turns out that that hooker is actually the the agent. Ah. Um, so it so a lot of things make more sense. Like the 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 Jessica Hyde character is portrayed more like a Sarah Connor than like a crackhead. Oh, and John, you had mentioned that the other person, the one of the group that she kills early on, just didn't exist. That's right. The character of Samantha in the American version that she kills at the end to solidify her like control over the group wasn't even in the original. Originally, it was just uh, Ian, Becca, Wilson, Wilson, which is his real name, by the way. 
Like they play it up <laughs> as a conspiracy thing, but it really is his full name. But he likes using it because people assume it's a fake name. Um, just, also, the races so. of Ian and Becca are reversed, which is a minor thing, but I thought that was interesting. No, it's a minority thing. <laughs> Did you have a question, Jessica? That's too good for making a terrible joke. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no. Um, I guess I just like that like they made a new character and they probably got in and were like, but what are we going to do with it? We don't know what to do with it because it's not in the original one. Oh, killer. I took it entirely differently than that when John told me that one. Really? Yeah. I, okay. It made me like angry because <laughs> they the way that she's killed is one of the least... Like it's the most nonsensical kind of things for the character yeah. to have done to have decided like, yeah, I'm going to kill this person when yeah. there was a much better option for a person to be even killed in that moment. If she was trying to show dominance or whatever, um, there were a million things wrong with that. And so if this yeah. is a thing that they created entirely for this from the get go, their one big addition to the series was awful. And I think knowing that would have been emblematic of what the rest of the show's experience would have been. Mm. Yep. I mean, tonally, visually, musically, cinematographically, it's on a whole nother level. Like, I've, I've posted things before about how some people say, look at the awesome color palette, the, the gradients that they use. It's really super colorful. And it is. I mean, even mundane locations like a public bathroom look vibrant and colorful. Mm. Whereas we made a comment about how ugly most of the the American version looks like it was shot. I made the mm-hmm. comparison that it looks like they Amazon paid top dollar for the property rights and then mm-hmm. paid the lowest bidder to actually develop it. Because <laughs> this looks like they had... Uh, oh, And again, there were a lot of things that make more sense in the British version. And I believe it's because their style of writing respects the, and trusts the audience intelligence a lot more mm. than the American version does. Mm-hmm. Things things make sense in this version. Like one of the things, for instance, uh, that was kind of a weird one in the American version. Maybe they said something and I just missed it because I was checking out by that point. Uh-huh. Uh, but we see that uh, the the John Cusack character, we discover that he's actually Mr. Rabbit because he's got the scars on his uh, torso or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, the, the Homeland Security person uh, ends up being also in the the harvest, and I think they showed that she also has the same scars. You're like, what? Yeah. What's going on here? Well, come to find out that uh, in the European version or UK version, uh, the John Cusack equivalent, which is actually like the Minister of Health, played by Stephen Rea. Um, you may have lost last seen him, I think, in V for Vendetta as the Inspector. Typecasting. Mm. Um, and in the crying game. Uh, <laughs> but um, he he is... They, they explain it. That he is so committed to the cause that he actually carved the Mr. Rabbit scar into himself to function as a decoy should it ever make its... the Should anybody ever make its way up to him it would mm. so that it would stop at him. What? And uh, Yes. Okay. And... And they have the equivalent of a Homeland Security. I think it's MI5 for them. Um, and that person, you know, basically gives a much better explanation of what's going on here. 
it's it's shocking how much it was dumbed down and there's no better way of saying it but it was dumbed down for the american version we americans uh, man <laughs> yeah that's rough interesting, interesting thing to note too is that the comic although it's still a central piece to the story it's featured so much less um and jessica hyde isn't even a character in it i thought that what? was the most shocking what? thing of all yeah like uh, Jessica Hyde appears, I think, like sometime around maybe the second episode, not in the at the end of the first, like in this one. And she, uh, she says, "I'm well." First of all, RB and the other guy are going around, you know, doing their thing. Everywhere they go, they're asking, "Where is Jessica Hyde?" And mm-hmm. nobody knows what they're talking about. Even the people who have read the comic book are like, "Who's that? Like, is that somebody that comes to this comic shop?" I don't know. Like, let me check the Rolodex. That's um, so much better. Yeah, she's she's not in there. It, the comic is nothing like the one in the uh, American version, too. I would say if there's any pluses to the American version, it's the artwork for the comic. Because mm. in, the, in the UK version, it's much more impressionistic. It's mostly outlines of bodies with like vague uh, you know, face features. Uh, and I think that's supposed to be because the person drawing doesn't want to identify who they are or whatever. But like the the comic page that represents Arby when he discovers you know his past or whatever, it's literally just an outline of like a chubby boy, with like two dark circles where the eyes should be, and that's it. And he makes the connection that that's him because they were giving him a box of raisins. Makes me think of Pink Floyd the Wall. Sorry. That's fair. I was thinking of the some of the Sandman comics. I was gonna say yeah, Sandman has that a lot of like shading and just vague impressions of things. But yeah, the music is great. I mean, it uses, uh, I think, an original soundtrack that's been adapted to other works now, too, such as Mr. Robot. A lot of really weird sounds to kind of juxtaposed, um, which is really interesting. A lot of people kept saying stuff in the subreddit about how the music was great and the American version sucked. And uh, I listened to like an hour and a half's worth of original soundtrack. And I was like, wow, this is like just interesting. It has. It feels like it has a little bit of that British sensibility. I got some gorillas feels to it in a few parts, uh, where it's just mm. like weird, goofy, kind of like happy sounding, but in the context, also kind of creepy kind of music. Yeah, you had sent over the playlist, and I had gotten to give a, a listen to a little bit of it, and it had like almost like a swing to it at times. Yeah, like it's very animated. I have to say. Um, I mean, just like I said, just for the visuals alone, it's beautifully shot. And it makes me understand why um, David Fincher was originally attached to run the show with Gillian uh, Flynn. Um, mm. But whenever negotiations or something fell through, he ended up dropping out. And I guess he started working on, uh, what was it, Mindhunter or something? Whatever the show that he was doing uh, was instead. Um, I, I don't know if I don't know he'd worked on Mindhunter. I've never watched Mindhunter, guys. I feel bad. Yeah, it's, it's, it, the two seasons are all written and directed by him. Yeah. So yeah, this definitely has a feel of like a British uh, uh, David Fincher. But uh, yeah, American version, just not at all. I mean, one of the most interesting comparisons to give you an example: uh, the scenes in the American version where they have the quarantine. They make that like a big old spectacle. They have all this news out there. Um, you know, they have all those people protesting outside of the quarantine zone. In the UK version, it's like a line in like the news. 
you know, like a headline somewhere, and it's like one of the things you see on the scroll at the bottom of the screen. It's it's very downplayed, but the people that know what's going on are the ones that are paying attention to that. So the Doctor Stern's character, who has a different last name, I forget what it was now, um, but he decides to go, and it's taking place in a remote, like island, somewhere off of Scotland. Hmm. So like he has to travel there by boat. When he gets there, it's there's no one there. It's literally looks like it's on like the the cliffs of Dover, basically. It's like next to the ocean. It's you know just very secluded. He goes in by himself. He basically sneaks in. Uh, he takes some samples and he almost gets caught, but he leaves. Uh, nothing like the ridiculousness of Doctor Stearns going in. Can other guy to come in with him because he felt bad because he was a parent, and then finding out there's this twin subplot. Nothing with twins is mentioned even once in the UK version. Goodness. This is all a fabrication. Yeah, like this the, this whole subplot with the doctor with the two daughters, one was going to be sacrificed. All of that BS is stupid. The UK version feels like a real, honest to goodness conspiracy story. Hmm. And like we just watched the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to watch season two, though. That will probably be my next week's watch. I'll get like a little glimpse into the future of what the story holds. But it's much more well-acted. The characters are well done. The betrayal at the end Wilson feels like an actual betrayal. Um, it's just really interesting. There's there's no unnecessary death like there was in the American version. They don't go and murder all of Wilson Wilson's family. They don't kill an entire hotel room worth of people trying to sell a manuscript. That doesn't even happen. Uh, like it starts off with uh, Arby and the other guy going into a comic book shop, and they kill three people. That was it. Uh, but it's done much more creepy too, because I don't like I said I, I'm going too long on this, um, but it's so good. I wish we would have watched that instead. Anybody that even remotely liked American Utopia, I guarantee you, you'll like the UK version better. Plus, British accents just make everything better. That's fair, John. I'm. I'm curious. Did you watch Funny Games by any chance? No, I did not. Okay. Did anybody watch Funny Games? I did. Okay. That's kind of what I was imagining for if, if they were creepier for Arby and the other guy going around for those two guys. That's kind of how I picture that one. Probably. And, and I think that would have been more are creepier. Also, <laughs> I didn't notice uh, in the American version because it's featured very little. But in the UK version, uh, that yellow duffel bag that they carry all their killing equipment in, I didn't realize that that was kind of making a happy face shape. Because like the two, the holders where the, the strap attaches to and then how it like loops down and then plus the bright yellow background of it, it looks like a happy face. So that kind of reminded me a little bit more of Watchmen too, which is sort of an illusion with the comic book in this one as well. Interesting. Mm. So we know this is now DC canon. Interesting. <laughs> it's part of the multiverse. <laughs> so where can people watch it? This is now streaming on Amazon Prime right alongside the UK version, uh, the American version. That's um, a brave decision. Well, I suspect that they waited until the season was mm. out for a little bit because it wasn't available right away. I think the day that they announced it, it was available, is the day I sat down and watched it. Mm. Gotcha. Huh. Cool. <clears throat> okay. Well, I think this will be the only way that anyone watches a season two of Utopia for the Geeks Watch. 
All right. I watched, I have gone back and watched something that a lot of people told me to watch. Um, didn't really think that I would be interested in it. Uh, I am watching Veep on HBO Max. Nice. That's good. I've gotten through four seasons of the seven seasons that are available. I did not realize that the seventh season was just this year. I thought this was an older show. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's been out for seven seasons. Well, yeah, at least not, seven years but with how hbo does things sometimes there's a year between <laughs> yeah they must have done something like that uh i just I, it's it's funny in parts but it's not as funny as i thought it was going to be and i definitely did not expect julia lewis dreyfus's character to be uh uh as terrible as she is i mean she's not doing a bad job she's doing a great job it's just the character is terrible and i i i I kind of equate it to like the first season of michael scott on on the office like that his character after the first season drastically changes so that he's more affable and lovable i thought it was going to be more like that but it's more like the first season where he's just mean and terrible so petty her character doesn't really change throughout the four seasons that I've already watched. And, uh, you know, there are side characters that she kind of like, but they're all pretty terrible, terrible people too. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's really dismissive of each other in the show. Yeah. But they all love each other for some reason. Like, it's very confusing. <laughs> very <laughs> confusing. Um, pretty terrible as is but i don't i don't know it's i don't know why people would want to watch seven seasons of this so very surprising (laughs) to me um i guess i I find out where we go after season four but other than that it's pretty much a lot of uh something i can have on while i'm working on other things i i think this this show when i tried to watch it because i'm sure you're in the same spot for this one. Like you said, everyone suggests it, but it's mm-hmm. always like the same, like five people who suggest it. No one's been added to the ranks over all of the years that it's been on. <clears throat> <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, for this, this, this one, I think it's kind of emblematic of old HBO for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's true. That It's definitely, a lot like uh, the older se- series of stuff that they used to play or they used to have like dream on or something. Yeah. I, I, I would equate it to dream on dream on and Arliss and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not up there with, I mean, it's, it's Emmy winning. So obviously it, people enjoyed it for whatever reason, but uh, it's not up there with what we're seeing, what, what we're watching now, at least in my eyes. I would agree. But way to go for being four seasons into that. When you said you started it and then went to saying that you had watched four seasons of it, yeah. uh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's the first season's like eight episodes, and the every season after that's only ten so far. So it's a half hour show. It's a it's a quick watch. It's just <laughs> not a quick watch. <laughs> It just seems to to drag at points. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it, she's just not a good character. So that is on HBO Max or HBO streaming if you still have that. Um, let's get into the Mandalorian on Disney Plus. Bow, 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 bow. 
Season two, episode two. We're starting off on Tatooine again. And you have all of the desert space to, to ride your speeder in. And you decide to go between two rocks. That's how smart our main character is. That's Star Wars, baby. <laughs> That's Star Wars, yeah. Yeah. That's not an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, John, are you, are you going to take us through a full plot for this one? Uh, escorting a frog lady with a bunch of eggs. That's all. And Yoda eats the eggs. We can get into the minutiae, but I was very underwhelmed by this episode. Like all of the goodwill I got from the first one kind of like just drained it in this one. Or like this is the epitome of like nothing happened of any relevance. We're right back where we started. Uh, Like, ah, just. And baby Yoda, like, what the hell? Smack that kid. I don't this this has kind of been like the prevailing feeling online is what you're saying for this one where they're like yeah I don't know the the season opened with the bang and then now I'm just kind of like mm, I don't know but this I, is exactly I, how I, I feel every episode feels same so I'm entirely lost about this one best part of this episode was seeing freaking uh, uh, uh um Opa from Kim's Convenience in there yay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Apparently, because he's a huge Star Wars fan, so he said he wanted to be in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works that, for was, me. that was him and Dave Filoni getting their cameos on this, uh, mm-hmm. this season. So, all right. So, without flippancy aside, yeah. So we start back up where the last episode ended. Uh, Mandalorian is heading back to uh, Mos Eisley with his uh, new Boba Fett armor that he just unlocked for the last mission he completed. Uh, as well as some, um, <laughs> that's good. That's the best way to to describe this one. Some some crate steak because you know it's got that protein, and uh, baby Yoda in tow. Some other bounty hunters are ready to wreck the mood by setting up a trap. <clears throat> uh, nothing more complicated than just putting a rope up for him to get tangled on. <laughs> uh, he dispatches all three of them. One of them in a very funny way. Uh, but it doesn't even really matter. We just get back into town. Uh, Amy Sedaris uh, is playing cards with like a praying mantis alien called Dr. Mandible. Um, it should be noted this episode was directed by Peyton Reed, the director of both Ant-Mans. So that could have been maybe a veiled reference to, you know, insects, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, hey, well, I know somebody that might know where a Mandalorian is. Uh but uh, you're going to have to give them a ride. And I was like, whatever, okay. And it says, but you can't do it with hyperspace because she's carrying eggs, and I guess hyperspace might hurt them somehow. That's never really explained. We're just meant to assume you can't do it. She so was like, well, that really sucks, but fine, we'll do it. And when you're traveling sublight, that's like, you know, anybody can see you. So he gets flagged down by two uh, X-Wings that are now New Republic, and they're saying, hey, like, we need you to turn on your tracking signal so we can see who you are. And, you know, there's like a little funny sequence where he's like, oh, this one's like pre-Empire. Um, uh, you know, I don't have to have it technically. And they're like, yeah, but uh, we know you have it. So, like, turn it on. <laughs> so he was like, okay, fine. And then they do, like, something that was actually kind of unnerving because, like, if that were to happen in real life, like, if I get pulled over by a cop... And I see him go back to his cop car 
and he's talking on his walkie. And then you see another cop car show up. That's when you know shit's <laughs> yeah. gonna like get crazy. So he sees both X wings suddenly lock their uh, X foils in attack <laughs> position, and he just books like, it. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, he just he, he does the you know every you know cops highlight video reel here by just leaving the scene in a rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets down to some ice planet. We were never told where this is. And he manages to escape. I mean, that scene was kind of cool when they're flying through the clouds. Like, that kind of had a sense of excitement and forward momentum. Mm-hmm. But then he, he pulls a, a crazy Ivan and then, like, hides between some ice rocks. And that makes him kind of crash through the ground. They get cold because now the ship's hull integrity is damaged. Uh, I didn't even mention that the passenger is actually, like, a frog lady. Or maybe I did just in passing, uh, but they can't even communicate because she speaks like a really like croaky language. And um, which I did, I did a, like that. I did like that because yeah. there's always that eternal joke of like, how do any of these people in Star Wars just always understand each other? Yeah. So we we got that. We know the Mandalorian knows what do they call it? Common is like English, and then they yeah. he knows Hutanese at least a little bit, and then he knows Sand people sign language so i think those are the languages i've yeah a little bit of jawa yeah a little bit of jawa too (laughs) he minored in uh jawa studies but um (laughs) so the frog lady is transferring these eggs and baby yoda as soon as he sees them he's like oh boy uh he just wants him some eggs like real bad and i the scene where i started to change my mood around baby yoda is when he makes it down to the egg container, he's like just looking at them, like he's at the buffet. And then he does the little turn to see if anybody's coming down the ladder. He knows what he's doing. He's being a little asshole. Yes, no, he's being a toddler. He's exactly being a toddler. No, I'm like, I was literally like, I don't know. I don't hate Baby Yoda for it because, like, I mean, yes, it was bad, but at the same time, I was like, no, this is exactly what a toddler of a species would do. Would do. It's exactly what they... They don't understand what the crap they're doing. They know it's wrong, but they don't think of the consequences. They're just, like, <laughs> hiding under a blanket. and just. He just, just wanted some Swedish meatballs. That's all yes, he wants. Yes, it's like, exactly a toddler would do. I mean, and to be fair, Very they probably realistic. were, like, a Star Wars version of caviar. Just, like... <laughs> palm size, you know, like a big old, like biting into like an apple sized caviar. Oh, I mean, that God. might be delicious. <laughs> I don't know. I like roe, like sushi and stuff, but that would be so much as a handful of it. <laughs> it was like a like a space gusher. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, like the, the the frog lady says, "Hey, like we need to get to this place." Uh, well, she fi- figures out how to hotwire the uh, the robot that was voiced by uh, Richard. Um, Iowata. Yeah. Iowata. Iowata. Uh, he got and Richard right. Yes. <laughs> I got that one right. And uh, he or she basically says, hey, I thought Mandalorians were true to their word. Like, we need to get out of here. Mando's like, yeah, no, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. You better just, like, you know, settle in and get warm. I love that moment. And, I was like, there's a hole in the <laughs> ship. Like... What do you um, want me to do? <laughs> so she ends up just leaving. Um, and I guess she finds like a, a hot spring. And she gives herself and her little eggs a bath. 
maybe because it's warmer, I guess. I don't know. And Baby Yoda is still trying to like bob for eggs in that little, you know, pool. And Mando's like, no, go away. <laughs> and Baby Yoda starts to walk away. He finds a lot of interesting little structures in this cave. He decides to pop one open and says, oh, I can eat this. Just starts chomping down I'm on this, this unknown creature, <laughs> which wakes up the rest of the brood. These were alien ice spiders. Yeah. And not only that, they ran the, the size of like a maybe from like a baseball to like a big honking space spider. It's <laughs> Aragog. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, was... I, I got flashback to uh, the haunted forest. Mitch and I were watching it, and um, when he goes and cracks it open, Mitch asks if we're in the Alien series now. <laughs> and then the giant spider comes out. I'm like, nope, we're in the Harry Potter series now. Yeah. Well, and if Game of Thrones actually did it right, then Game of Thrones also. Because there's ice spiders in the books, damn it. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. This one, I was really confused. How did the the frog lady know that the whole hot spring place was there? Because it's a good distance away. I I don't know if her like she's got like froggy swamp senses. I would venture to say that she just was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna take my chances and see what's around here," and Probably. happened upon it. I don't think she knew that that was there. I mean, they as far as we know, like they're on just some random ice planet that's. Like Hoth, you know, it's not really a place for settlements unless you're on the run, which is mm-hmm. what they're doing. I, I just, there were so many, so many leaps in logic in the entire episode. I'm sure we'll re, we revisit these as we break stuff down, but. Oof. Yeah, this, this wasn't my favorite episode so far. This, this is not, I mean, I would even argue that the episode in the last season where they do that uh, prison break sequence, that took place in like a hallway set. And that was much more interesting and exciting than this. Like, m- the main reason why I felt this episode was a letdown compared to the first season episode, or the, yeah, first episode of this season, mm-hmm. was because this had no real advancement of story or lore. That The, the first episode was chock full of it. I mean, you got shit with Cobb Vanth. Uh, you got some backstory on the Boba Fett armor, uh, a different part of tattooing we've never been to before, some more culture stuff with the Tusken Raiders, the full reveal of a canonized crate dragon. I mean, there was a lot of really good stuff in that one. This one was just like, go to a nameless planet with some... Um, I mean, there kind of was a call out to Black Spire Outpost in which there is a droid oh, that's yeah. been the spit over... A like jet engine to cook the meat at Ronto Roasters restaurant. Like and I was like, yeah. hey, I know what they're <laughs> referencing there. Um I do think though, when it comes to these shows, and I realized it when I read an article about projected seasons later on, this show is a long game show. It's not a short episode to episode show. It's like the Clone Wars where they're expecting it to be at least five season long. So you're gonna have those. <clears throat> no lore episodes you're going to have those slow episodes and this is definitely like a part one episode because you know he has to finish that journey in the next episode so i really it's like the more i watch it and think back on it the more i'm like this is exactly like the first and second season of clone wars like there's so many throwaway episodes in clone wars and even rebels which is even slightly more fast-paced still has a ton of throwaway episodes 
like they're still enjoyable well, at least for me they're enjoyable to watch because i just i'm biased towards this world i find this world fascinating and the amount of stuff that you can do in it but it still stays in its limits um but um but i'm definitely seeing the comparisons to the other shows within the star wars universe and seeing that this is a build-up and I think those last few seasons, just like with Clone Wars, is going to be like the best. Every episode will be amazing kind of thing. Right now, it's just build up to get to there. And Disney always is generally with their shows and other stuff like MCU. They're a long game plot. So I think that might be the biggest issue with it is that it people are taking it and comparing it to like HBO shows, which are like more geared towards having awesome episodes every single time and then which this is actually more like almost a cartoon show where it's slow builds a lot of throwaways but once you get to the end you're gonna absolutely love it is what i'm assuming i don't know it could be utter crap but like (laughs) that's what i realized watching this episode was it reminds me of one of the clone war episodes that i was like huh (laughs) without it yeah See, I, and we I just hope. talked the other day. Oh, sorry, Steven. Oh, no, you're good. I was say, we just talked the other day in one of our overtimes about a show that was just chock full of detail in every episode. Mm-hmm. And no matter how disjointed and how out of left field one episode was from the other, I mean, it's like everyone was just a treat to watch through and through from beginning mm-hmm. to end. And this one felt like you could probably skip it. This would probably be like on the DVD or Blu-ray collection. I'm like, all right, chapter two, skip. All right, let's see what chapter three was again. This is like, uh, just to kind of summarize the ending of this one, they they start escaping the spiders. They barely make it away. Um, They look like they might get caught in the end because they're basically trying to bunker themselves in the cockpit, but they're still kind of making their way in. And they get rescued by the two X-Wing fighter pilots that uh, were chasing them originally. The X-Wing fighter pilots are like, hey, like we're tracing you because there's a warrant out for you. But we also saw that you did something good for us uh, back in the day. So we're just going to call it even. And they're like, well, can you help me fix the ship? And I was like, nope, we're just Bye. not going to arrest you. <laughs> <laughs> you got uh, it. And Bye. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty much where the episode ends. They said, well, you know what? Let's just fly like this and cross our fingers. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> um, so, again, just really kind of like well i mean at least it's only week to week but i would have preferred if this was what we're going to be dealing with i would have just rather binge it because this would have been like i would have been over this by now and on to the next good thing about it that's fair for for this one just like i know that you had mentioned like it kind of being more like long game where the show is it's very much planning for a long term rather Mm -hmm. than trying to develop something with every single episode yeah i I think it's very clear from the things that we've talked about that I like things that do that. Mm-hmm. And I cannot find any enjoyment <laughs> in the show. Wow. I, I, I just got nothing. I, it's not even because I don't care for star Wars in a big way. Like I have no big connection to star Wars, but I don't think that helps either. Yeah, um, I think the biggest fault is the Mandalorian. Actually. I don't think he's fair. that interesting. He's very one sided or if he's two-sided he's not very vocal about it like he's just very the same and then you're like oh he can talk to sand people that's cool it's just not (laughs) 
there. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it. I don't know if it's the fact that he wears a helmet all the time. That could be the worst. That could be what's so detachment about it. I don't know. I like Judge Dredd. <laughs> uh, that's fair. I don't know. There's just not a lot of personality there. And if it is personality, it's very like, yeah, I did that, Baby Yoda. Like it's just very like, <laughs> it's just yeah, not. He needs, he needs to tell Baby Yoda some like bedtime stories or sing him some kind of Mando song or something to show that he's <laughs> got feelings. You know, he's just he's way too stoic. Yeah, I agree. It, at this point in the series, he is way too stoic. He should be starting to showcase a personality, especially to Baby Yoda. Like, he should. But he's not. And I think that's where I'm at. Like, I don't... Yeah, this is... I'm just like, there's something with that character. Maybe that's why they decide to pull away from that character a little bit. We'll see. I don't I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I do think um, that he's kind of like... Um, I guess like the... like an original Aladdin kind of character, like um, Arabian Nights kind of thing, where it's a bunch of stories told with the one character being the through line mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah. But I don't, my biggest thing, and I've talked to John and Mitch about this one um, in the aforementioned overtime. Um, you can find that on geeklymedia.com. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, this episode is one of the biggest examples of the problem that I've had with the show throughout where it all feels like a bad dragon age horizon zero dawn and so many other games kind of cutscene. Yeah. All of this has been just like you pop in, you do one thing. um, He gets some kind of armor upgrade thing. Like John's like John had mentioned. And then he gets some vague details from someone to go do point B in the quest. And that was exactly what this was. He popped into that the little bar. He had like two lines of dialogue with a character who's now the one that he goes back to to go turn in quest items, basically. And then he popped back out to go do the next thing. And I don't like that in video games. I, that there's a reason I don't play a lot of AAA games like that um, that have those kinds of stories. And I have not enjoyed that for this. Even the camera blocking when they have dialogue between the two characters has been that exact same kind of camera blocking. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how that feels okay when they're even editing. Like no one brought up from season one to season two. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You know what they should do? I'll go ahead. I was just going to say it's probably pretty limited in camera blocking when you're doing it with the screens and stuff like that, that they're make, they make that show with. See, I used to think, I, I thought that was initially part of it too. In the first season, I was wondering about that because of how much they touted that as a thing that they were doing, but then seeing those things in action and the, some of the stuff that they've done with it, I don't think that I can give them the pass for that one anymore um, because mm. they make it pretty dang interactive. Like they can, they can use the thing to even be like a moving field behind a character on something so i i don't know exactly what the full cause of this stuff is yet but it's it's a pretty big problem honestly i don't i don't think this series is going to stand the test of time unless they do something really interesting i think it'll be an interesting footnote on how they launched the like star wars new cinematic universe as they bring in characters from other properties that are now canon um, yeah. Ezra, um, I forget her name right now, um, Ahsoka, Ahsoka, and other characters. And they'll do things yeah. with that. And this is just a launching off point for them, personally. Yes. 
I think like they've got people's eyes on this. They're going to use them or use it to do that. And then the show will just go away. And I don't think there'll ever be a satisfying ending to Yodelini. <laughs> I do have a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Something that might bridge uh, the thing that you're talking about. Ezra um, Bridger? <laughs> someone that might Ezra Bridger this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they need a Mandalorian Bandersnatch. I mean, it would be an interesting one, and they can shoot it, like like we said, like more on the cheap kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and all you would have to do is just have alternate like dialogue options and scenario outcomes, um, which I'm sure you could do with that, you know, Unreal Engine background that they use. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everything's in there. I mean, the special effects, at the very least, are still really, really good in the show. Um, all of the space flying and the, the chasing, mm-hmm. like I said, through the clouds was really, really cool looking. Um, that kind of took me back to my old idea for one of our previous podcasts that I would like to see a Crimson Skies uh, type mm-hmm. adaptation because that it would look make, perfectly in there. It made me want to see Titan AE again <laughs> because of the whole like cloud flying sequence in there and yeah. even yeah. hiding in ice. The two, the two. Um, so yeah, I mean, this has potential, but as of right now, Maybe it's because it's just episode two of season two and we haven't gotten that far into it yet. There's still the potential that this is going to have a whole lot more going on. Maybe this frog lady has a bunch of Force-sensitive eggs and, you know, going into hyperspace could have, like, severed their connection to the Force somehow. And these these are, like, future Jedis that we don't even know about yet. That could be something. Like, we're just getting one small chunk of a bigger story. I understand that. It's just because it's on a weekly basis instead of a binging like format it just was like well that wasn't that great (laughs) i was kind of wondering why the frog lady never looked at the whole tube of eggs and was like wait what two are gone no no my babies he ate like he put down like at least like a half dozen of those things (laughs) no i wonder if she laid any more while she was in the, the pool because I thought maybe that could have been part of what she was doing. She was giving them like a water birth. That's fair. I'll take that. Honestly, maybe. But yeah. So a uh, couple interesting facts. The aforementioned Dave Filoni uh, character in this one is a return because he was in the prisoner episode from the first season, uh, as well as the Richard Iowade droid character that was also in the prisoner episode from the first season Hmm. and the actress who plays the body movement of the frog lady is misty roses and uh she was with the rest a lot of her other career but her first role was playing amy from congo the ape ah interesting I that was that. a bad movie. <laughs> How dare you, John? <laughs> first of all, like, they kill Bruce Campbell in the first two minutes. Like, how can you do that? That's okay. <laughs> Tim Curry has a memorable death. <laughs> yeah. Ernie Hudson was pretty cool in it, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, and I'm sure we'll get to it eventually, but I just want to get it out of the way because I'm pretty much done with this episode. But uh, those ice spiders are actually a reference to something from Star Wars. Um, Previous Ralph McQuarrie art from Empire Strikes Back showed these spiders as being uh, creatures that lived on Dagobah when he went to go train with Yoda. Uh, And they were supposed to be 
basically carnivorous fungus creatures. Uh. Um, so for the purpose of this show, they were repurposed to become now these ice spider things, which kind of had a little bit of a reference to the Minox, too, when the, the big spider tries to like chomp down on the, on the uh, cockpit, the canopy, and its <sighs> mouth parts kind of just like drag around on the glass, kind of similar mm-hmm. to what the Minox does in Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Uh, although you know much smaller size uh and one little detail that i liked that was on the the day filoni which is character's name is trapper wolf which is like the most 80s name ever yes um his x-wing has a bunch of tie fighters stamped on its side and i was like oh that's cool so it's got like his kill count on there yeah are there, are there any longer any longer ones any longer tie fighters on there any long fighters Long tie I, I, I think they all just look like regular TIE fighters, but I suppose okay. that could symbolize whether they were interceptors or bombers or whatever. What have I, was, you. I was going for a Killmonger joke. It's okay. There's a reason that didn't land, guys. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Because everyone, everyone had like these like whole like big think pieces like, oh, what did, what did the longer parts on his chest mean? Were those like like torture, uh, torturings? What, what did that mean? That was when he killed an Oliphant. And then Gimli still said it only counted like one. <laughs> but, it, but it's a big one. That's why. <laughs> All right. So if you have some opinions on The Mandalorian, we'd love to hear about them. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchapedia GEM. GEM stands for Geek Elite Media. Steven, where can people find you online? You can find me across the internet as Peppermint Gent. And Jessica, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me as J.M. Bailey writes. And John? Uh, you can tweet at me on Twitter. I am at Magic Bollocks. You can also send me uh, selfies to my Snapchat, Revolver51. Do. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth, where can people find you online? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. The rest of Geekly Media is on Twitter as at Geekly Media. Please check out our website, geeklymedia.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Media network. Uh, check out our Patreon, Geekly Media on Patreon. <laughs> it uh, has a lot of bonus material that you can only get there if you're one of our patrons. It's true. And whatever podcast you use, please uh, rate and review us so that you can help spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to Geek Out! This concludes our broadcast. <laughs>